Luke 4, this is a temptation scene as it relates to Jesus. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time. It became very hungry. Everybody shout hungry. Then the devil said to him, if you are, if you are, shout, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, no, shout no. The scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I'll give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I'm pleased. I'll give it all to you if you will worship me. Jesus replied, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, oh, if you are, shout, if you are the son of God, jump off. The scriptures say he will order his angels to protect and guard you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus he left him until, watch this, the next what? The next opportunity came. Meaning that this temptation would continue for the next three and a half years. Lord, open our minds. Help us to live in humility as we follow Jesus. In your name we pray. Shout amen. 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 Please be seated. So, for the last three weeks, we've been asking a couple of questions. First question that we've asked over the last three weeks is, why humility? And the quick answer to that is that Jesus knows that there's power hidden in humility, and he points to the path of humility and says, there, walk therein. I want you, if you're my follower, to walk the path of humility. That's your path to success. That's your path to have impact in your career. That's your path to make a difference in your home, in the family dynamics. Yes, there are other paths that you might take to success, uh, etc. But this is the best path. Follow the path of humility. Everybody shout, be humble. Jesus says it. This is why he teaches in Matthew 23, verses 11 and 12. He says this, let the greatest among you be your servant. Then he says, uh, he who exalts himself or herself will be made humble. But he or she who humbles himself or herself will be exalted. And what he's saying is this, that, that if you take the path of humility, you allow the power of God to become the winds beneath your wings. And how many of you know that when God opened doors, no one can close them. When God closes doors, no one can open. When God elevates you, nobody can pull you down. The best way to be exalted is to have God to lift you up. Shout, be humble. So the second question that comes to mind over the last couple of weeks is, okay, well, what is humility as it relates to the Bible? What's biblical humility? Is it different from the world? And the answer, of course, is yes. Pastor Tilden 
gave us two ways to think about biblical humility last week. The first way he gave us was the quote from C.S. Lewis, if you recall. C.S. Lewis says, uh, humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. By implication, thinking of yourself less so that you're thinking of others more as opposed to devaluing yourself. Well, this is the point that Paul is making in Philippians chapter 2 verse 3. Listen, here's what he says. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. But shout, be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourself. What he's meaning is you're giving preference to the needs of others. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Let me tell you a quick story. A couple of nights ago, I invited uh, my daughter to go to the movies. One of her favorite movies was out. And so I was in a meeting. She sent me a text. Said, Dad, send me a um, text of your credit card. <laughs> my, my 14-year-old daughter. So I decided to trust her. I texted to her. And she got the tickets. Uh, you know, did it online. When we were driving up to the theater, I asked her, I said, you got the tickets? She says, oh, yeah. I, 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 she said, I, 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 yeah, I got it. I said, well, what do you mean? She said, well, the thing didn't come out, you know, the little, the, what you're supposed to uh, get it coded red, right? So it didn't come out, so I just took a picture of it. I said, what? You took a picture of it? She said, yeah. She said, I said, that's not going to work. She said, Daddy, that's going to work. I said, baby, that's not going to work. She said, Daddy, listen to me. I'm always right. It's going to work. That's her mama's daughter. Her mama's daughter, y'all. Her mama's daughter. I, I, I said, girl, you're going to be wrong this time because you took a picture. A picture's not the same as what the, the, the bar needs to read. So we, we go up to the, to the counter, and she pulls out the phone. And she gives the man uh, the phone, and he scans it, and it goes, boop, boop. Two tickets pop out. And she looked at me and she said, they're the tickets. And when I saw them, I said, oh, baby, you were right. You were right. You were right. <laughs> All right. Now, I want you to keep that image in mind. Keep that image in mind. What it looks like when, when your husband or your wife is right. You celebrate. Oh, you're right. You're right. What it looks like when your colleagues are right. Can you celebrate it? You know, all right. Now, to be honest, this was not really an expression of humility for me. It wasn't. I was, I was adding up how much those I had to buy. If it didn't work, I was going to have to buy two more tickets plus some popcorn and some drink. I was adding all that stuff up. And so when the tickets came out, I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> but I also, in truth, was a little concerned that here she was being innovative, creative, trying to solve a problem. And I was a little concerned that she would be a bit deflated if it didn't work. So that too was a part of my jubilance. But in the aftermath, the Lord showed me. He says, well, your reaction wasn't really about humility, uh, being concerned about the interests of others fully. That is what it looks like, though. That is what it looks like when you can celebrate when other people are right. That's humility. Shout, be humble. It's a path that Jesus wants us to take. Pastor gave us another way of thinking about humility, and he called it 
courageous humility. Really pull this straight out of the text of how this beautiful hymn about Jesus and, uh, and how humility was, was the path of his life in Philippians 2, 5-11. I'll just read it again because this is a beautiful text. And Paul is saying, as he writes this, that any of you who want to be like Jesus, here's what he writes. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to be cling to. And the Greek means by force. Instead, he gave it up. He released his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. But remember what the text says, that if you humble yourself, the Father will exalt you. Here it is in the text. Well, uh, uh, therefore, God has elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue shall confess or declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Shout amen. amen. Come on, let's give God a hand praise that Jesus is Lord. One of my friends often says, there's two things he knows. And I think this is the beginning of humility. He says the first thing he knows, he knows for a fact, is that there is a God. He says the second thing that he knows, and he knows it for a fact, he's not God. <laughs> so he says, there is a God, and I'm not him. I think that's the beginning of humility, isn't it? To know that God exists. Uh, and and, and, and to, to know that you're not God, but the best posture you can take is to allow God to be God in your life. And in Jesus Christ, God becomes Lord if you will allow him. Let me tell you some good news. Last weekend when Pastor Tilden taught this passage and he asked, he challenged people. He said, listen, is Jesus Lord of your life? Because if he's Lord of your life, he's Lord of death. Come on now. He has the first and last word over life and death. If he's Lord of your life, he's Lord of your sins. He's, he's the God that forgives and redeems. If he's Lord, he's... And so he said, oh, he, he challenged people to make Jesus Lord. Do you know 37 people reaffirmed their faith to make Jesus Lord of their lives? Let's celebrate that. That's great news. So I ask you, is Jesus Lord? You see, Lord, if not, you can make him Lord right now by declaring, I surrender my destiny to you, Jesus. You have the first and the last word. Well, if humility is so awesome, why is it so difficult? Come on, everybody shout, why is it so difficult? Why is it so difficult? Well, the reason it's so difficult is because of our insecurities uh, insecurities here's here's a little drawing that I made to demonstrate this point so this is you or me here and we want to live a life of humility shout life of humility we want to live out of humility right that's what defines our life the problem is there's a big obstacle between us and living a life of humility and it's called everybody shout insecurity and I told you all last week that insecurity shows uh, the, the, the opposite of humility is not arrogance. It's insecurity. 
And insecurity expresses itself in one form it expresses itself is arrogance. So that person who is always shining the light on himself or herself, who's always saying, look at me, look at me, look how wonderful, look how great, look how fabulous I am, points out his or her own accomplishments, never points to anybody else around you, shout arrogant. Now, if they're sitting next to you, do not look at them, keep your eyes forward. And if it's you, don't say it, man, this is all right. And then low self-confidence or fear. This is exemplified in Moses, right? Moses says, God says, I'm calling you to a great work. Moses' response is, I've got a disability. I don't talk well. Clearly, you got somebody. There's somebody else. Find somebody else. That's his low self-confidence. That's his fear. For some of you, God has been saying for months, maybe years, I'm calling you to something greater. I'm calling you to leave something so you can walk into something. And you're saying, but I have a disability. I have these weaknesses. Surely there's somebody else. That's the lack. That's fear talking. That's the expression of insecurity. So insecurity gets in the way of our ability to live life of humility. So if you would pay attention to that beautiful hymn I just read. Listen, let me, just, let me just recite it in summary form again. Jesus, although he was God, did not find uh, clinging to his power of being God, did not, find being, did not find equality with God as something that he should cling to, but rather released his divine privileges and humbled himself and became a human being and humbled himself again and became a servant and humbled himself again and became obedient even to death, even the death of a cross, as the NIV translates it. Uh, 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 that, 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 that beautiful picture of humility that allows the Father to elevate him to a place that is higher than any other place. Well, do you know how he was able to be so humble? Jesus had his insecurities in check and his identity was clear. Are your insecurities in check? Is your identity clear? Now I've backed into the text that we, we took this temptation text as we're looking at this, the, the, the big temptation of Jesus. Now, in order to fully understand the temptation text that starts in chapter 4. By the way, both Matthew, Mark, and Luke talks about uh, this same story. And they, and, they, and they talk about it the way that I'm going to talk about it in the same sequence. Because they both make the same point. The temptation story really begins in chapter 3. And in chapter 3, verse 21, the first thing you notice is Jesus' baptism. Everybody shout baptism. Baptism is about identity. I want you to keep that in mind. Baptism is about identity. Here it is. One day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. Now, Jesus had no sin in his life. Nevertheless, as an act of obedience, and even more importantly for Jesus, and as an act of surrender, shout surrender, he was baptized. What that means is that he took his identity and who he was, and he, 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 he subordinated it 
to a greater identity of the Father. So he said, he said, Father, your purpose is the most important thing in my life. Come on. Your will is the most important thing in my life. Your plan is the most important thing in your life. I will understand myself through the lens of how you see me. Baptism has everything to do with identity in the text. And then watch this. Everybody shout affirmation. Affirmation of the text has to do with identity. Watch it. Here it goes. So as he was praying on the other side of baptism, listen for affirmation. The heavens opened. The Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said. Notice this. Shout a voice. In chapter 4, there's going to be another voice. It's going to be a different voice from this voice. Watch it. A voice from heaven said. You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great what? Joy. All right. So here's what the heavenly father is saying. This is all about it. He's affirming Jesus. He's saying, I want you to get up and know that I am declaring publicly, you are my son. That's number one. I dearly love you. That's number two. You bring me great joy. That's number three. By the way, anyone who wraps their identity in Jesus, they can hear the Father say the same thing to you. You are my child. I dearly love you despite your challenges and your brokenness. Come on now. You bring me great joy. Father has declared publicly, you're my son. I love you. Bring me great joy. Shout affirmation. affirmation. It's about identity, 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 identity. Then comes temptation. Shout temptation. Temptation, temptation is also about identity in the text. Notice the first three verses. It says that Jesus gets up from the baptism. He leaves the Jordan River full of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit leads him into the wilderness and there for 40 days he starts a process of praying and fasting what we're going to start for the next 40 days uh, starting uh, on the other side of next week's next week and in this process of praying and fasting he encounters the first temptation and here it is listen to it. it says then the devil said remember there was a voice in chapter three here's another voice you listening the devil said to him if you are what? Wait a moment. Didn't we just read in chapter 3 that the father declared publicly before everybody, Jesus, you are my son whom I dearly love. You bring me great joy. And now the first temptation, maybe it's a week later, maybe it's 12 days later, we don't know, but he's gone without food, he's hungry. And in that moment of quote-unquote weakness, the enemy comes and he says to him, he challenges that place of identity if you are the son of God wow if you are the son of God all right now let me make a point here everybody shout if you are three times the enemy Satan says to Jesus prove it prove it that's what insecurity does for you that's what stops us from being humble walking in humility because insecurity tells us again and again prove it but if we know who we are 
in God, if we know that our destiny is rooted in God, that our, our purpose is rooted in God's purpose, come on now, that our capacity to move forward in the future, to be elevated, to accomplish, is all rooted in God's love and God's purpose for our lives, we have nothing to prove. Come on, tell the person next to you, you have nothing to prove. So if I have nothing to prove, I can in humility, come on now, celebrate when somebody else is right because I have nothing to prove. If I have nothing to prove, I can in humility acknowledge when I am wrong and be corrected because ultimately God is the ultimate judge of my life. Come on now. If I have nothing to prove in humility, come on now, I can ask for help and grow and learn. If I have nothing to prove in humility, I can celebrate the accomplishments of others because I know at the end of the day, come on now, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. Every time you react because you have something to prove, that's insecurity getting in the way of your humility. Now there's three tests. Everybody shout, tempted. You find that word in the text three times. It can also be translated, tested. I like this because the target here is Jesus' identity. And what he's saying, the enemy is saying is, on the one hand, he's testing it. You said you've anchored your identity, Jesus, in the affirmation of the Father. Let me test it. You've said you've anchored, Jesus, your identity in the assurance you have of the Father holding your destiny. Let me see, can I tempt you to shift it? Everybody shout, test. Life will always test your affirmation of faith. It's going to test to see where's your identity really at. All right, now here's the first test. He says, uh, if you are the son of God, he says, uh, Turn this stone in the bread, because you know you're hungry. So demonstrate what you can do. Display what you can do. Show your power. You can almost hear Paul back in Philippians 2 saying, do nothing. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress anybody. Come on now. And, 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 and you can hear them pushing against that. Show it. Show me what you can do. And demonstrate, Jesus, that your identity is really captured in what you do. How many of you, your identity is wrapped up in what you do? It's wrapped up in the job that you hold. It's wrapped up in the money in your account. It's wrapped up, uh, it's wrapped up uh, in, 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 in uh, I used to say how many folk you have in your black book, but y'all don't have black books anymore. It wraps in how many ways you swipe right. Come on now and get, get responses. All that kind of stuff. It's wrapped up in what you can do. How many of you know, come on now, uh, uh, that the question is, uh, 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 is your identity all about what I can do? How effective, how competent, how good I am. Well, here's the problem. If your identity is wrapped up in what you can do, do you know that if you're an athlete and you set a record, just hang around long enough, somebody's going to break it? If your identity is wrapped up in what you can do, 
What happens when unemployment comes? If your identity is wrapped up in what you can do, what happens when aging happens or sickness happens? What happens when what you can do is left, lost? You lose your identity. Trouble. So Jesus resists it because his identity, you can celebrate what you can do. You can be happy about what you can do, but don't let it be the place for your identity. And then here comes the next, the next temptation. Next temptation is, is interesting. Is, uh, uh, verse 5 through uh, 7. Go back. Verse 5. Here, here, here's the next temptation. Here's what he, he says. Uh, and, and, and I like the way, uh, uh, put verse 5 up there. I like the way um, Bishop Green talks about it. He says, really, he says he doesn't think that Jesus is being moved around geographically. He thinks the enemy, the tempter, the, uh, the accuser, it's all that he's, he's doing it in his, the way he does us. It starts in the brain, y'all. Come on, shout. It's in the mind. It's in the mind. It's in the mind. It's in the mind. So here, 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 here it is. This is the next one. He says, so then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in the moment of time. Watch this. I'll give you the glory. Shout glory. Come on. Of these kingdoms and the authority over them. The devil said, go ahead. Because they are mine to give to you, to anyone I please. And I'll give it all to you if you worship me. Now, here's what he's talking about. When he talks about glory, authority, and kingdom. Kingdoms, that's all of the powerful places on the planet. That's power. Everybody shout power. Come on, glory. That reflects uh, the splendor that comes and, and reminds us of the pleasures of life. Shout pleasures. Come on. And, and then, 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 then if you've got the power and you've got the glory, then obviously the wealth is yours too. So it's power, it's pleasures, it's wealth. Now, I know what you're thinking. You think, well, now, who would actually say to the devil, I'll worship you if you give me power? Have you been watching the news recently? Do you not know, have you not seen how many politicians will compromise their integrity so they can get more power? Because, because when your identity is captured in your power, come on now, you'll do anything to hold on to it and you're always comparing yourself because there's always somebody who has more power than you. And there's always somebody trying to take what you have. Be careful. Is your identity in your power? Is your identity in your wealth? Bernie Madoff was already a millionaire and, 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 and yet... He ran one of the greatest schemes, messed up economically, one of the greatest crises our country has ever seen. Well, 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 inside of this teaching is a kind of insidious point. Maybe you will never say, devil, uh, give me, uh, I'll, I'll worship you in exchange for power. Here's the, here's the insight, though. If your identity is wrapped up in power, if it's wrapped up in wealth, if it's wrapped up in your pleasures, if that's where your identity is, then you are vulnerable to be manipulated by evil. You see? So all of that, at the end of the day, the question is, is your, is your identity all about what I have? What I have. Is it? Then lastly, lastly, the last temptation. Verse 9. So I here, listen, listen, here it is. So then the devil takes him to Jerusalem. This was a, this was a, it took me a while to get this, the insight here. Because this is an interesting text. 
takes him to the highest point of the temple. And he says, if you, see there, everybody shout, if you, prove it, prove it. He's saying, are the son of God, jump off. Basically saying, commit suicide. For the scriptures say, watch this, he will order the angels to protect and guard you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on the stone. So he takes them up to the highest place on the, on the, that they can find, the top of the temple, and he said, now just jump off. Then I, thought, I said, well, Lord, now what, what's going on here? And then he gave me the insight. He said, said I, I think I wrote it here for you. He says he was suggesting that Jesus prove that he was lovable. The question was, how lovable are you, Jesus? Are you so lovable that if you jump off the highest place, can you prove that God loves you so much that he will dispatch angels? Prove how lovable you are, Jesus. How many of you are killing yourself, working 14, 15 hours a day, really trying to prove how lovable you are? How many of you jumping through hoops socially and, 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 and in other places, killing yourself, trying to prove how lovable you are? Oh, I hear Jesus says, if you would just hear, come to me and hear me say, I have loved you with an everlasting love. You have nothing to prove. I love you. Now, as we wrap this up, I, I can hear you saying, okay, pastor, you found my address. You all up in my house. How do I move? Or how do I renovate the house in which I live? I like the way y'all ask your questions. Let me help you. It's right here in the text. Come on now. How do I, how, how do I push past my insecurities, clarify my identity so I can walk in humility. Come on, with nothing to prove. Well, let's go back to the text. The first thing Jesus teaches us is that you have to identify the voice. Come on, shout, identify the voice. Three times the text tells us, and the devil said, and the devil said, and the devil said, and it says, and it demonstrates that Jesus recognized the voice. He identified the voice. So you need to figure out what that, what is the voice of the enemy, the adversary, the accuser? What is the voice? For some of us, it's the voice of your past. For some of you, it's the voice of your failures. For some of you, it is the voice of your fears. And, and I checked out with a social scientist. I said, what are the voices that most people hear? And the social scientists wrote, uh, uh, they said, uh, a lot of us right now, you hear during the course of the week, voices like this. Something tells you, you're stupid. You're unattractive. You are a failure. You're fat. You're a loser. Others hear this. You will never get anything right. You will never find someone to love. You will never make friends. You will never 
quit drinking or quit, uh, uh, quit smoking. Uh, uh, and you hear these voices, right? That's that inner voice telling you. So you need to identify the voice. And for some of us to identify, you hear it, you need to, before you act on it, you need to just write it out. Say, this is what I'm hearing. Come on, that's how we see it in the text. The devil said, you need to write it out. Come on now. You need to write it out. Say, the, the devil says I'm stupid. The devil says I'm unattractive. The devil says I'm a failure. The devil says I'm fat. The devil says I'm a loser. Identify the voice. Then go to verse 4. Verse 4. Look at how Jesus responds. I think Jesus responds. I get a little excited. Here we go. Here we go. Jesus told him. Everybody shout, no. You've got to be able to respond once you identify what that voice of insecurity says, what the voice of the accuser says, what the voice of the devil says. Once you write it out, then you've got to be able to say, no, I will not be defined by your voice. I, I will not be defined by my past. I will not be defined by what folks said when I was growing up. I will not be defined by my fear. Shout No. And then you need a little help when you come to sing, though. You got to speak back. Let me tell you what we're going to do during the fasting, 40 days of fasting. If you sign up, every day I'm going to send you a scripture. A scripture you're going to internalize. See, because you can't keep your identity clear by yourself. Come on. And when, when these voices are so strong, you need some help. And you notice when Jesus said no, every time, three times, he responded with scripture. He says, but it is also written. And, and that was his, his, his office of man shall not live by bread alone. It is also written. You shall not, uh, you shall worship the Lord and serve him only. It is also written that, that, that you shall not tempt the Lord your God. He, he responded with, because his identity is in God. Y'all ain't listening. And so he responds with the word of God speaking back. Oh, I want you to hear this, hear this, hear this. So I want to teach you some word over the next few weeks so that when your past speaks to you about your past mistakes, you can say, no, no. Romans 8 says that therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. Come on now. When, 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 when you look at the future and you're afraid of the obstacle ahead, I want you to be able to speak to that obstacle and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When, when, when your failures tell you, you just going to keep falling. Come on now. I want you to be able to declare Psalms 37 to it and say, no, the Lord has declared that he delights himself in every detail of my life. And though I stumble, shall stumble, I shall not fall because he's upholding me with my, his right hand. Shout no! Shout, the, shout the, the word of the Lord declares. Now, who are you going to believe? Your history? Your ex? Or the creator who died for you? Got up for you, good God Almighty. I, I got to get on out of here. Let me finish here. I, I know what I'm talking about, y'all, because I, 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 I grew up with insecurities. I was burned and scarred from a young age. I, I grew up hearing voices that you are unattracted and you don't belong. And, and I remember when I got to college, and my grand aunt and grandmother dropped me off, and they left. And I went and looked out the window. 
And all I could see was pretty girls. I'm 18 years old, all guys. I was, and the voices started talking to me. You're unattracted. The voices started talking about you're in the wrong place. The voices started talking about you're not good enough. The voices started talking to me. You ought to pack up and go home. The voices started talking to me. You ought to just stay in your dorm. The voices ought to start talking to me. You ought to be ashamed to go outside. But then because I grew up in the church, because I knew who I was in Jesus, because I'd heard a few sermons, y'all, I dropped down on my knees. Can you hear? The text says, if you humble yourself, he will exist. I dropped down on my knees and I said, Jesus, will you cover me with your Shekinah glory? Oh, when I was saying, God, let your beauty drop on me. God, let your power drop on me. God, let your destiny drop on me. And I felt something just fall on me like a curtain. And I got up out of that door and I walked out of that room and I've never looked back because my destiny is in God's hands. Now, let me tell you what I just explained in that last illustration. You have to be able, when you say no and speak back, you have to be able to shift your attention from the inadequate me to the all-sufficient thee. See, because what the enemy has, what the devil is saying is, you, he's talking to Jesus, you, you ought to, you, you. And every time he said you to Jesus, he thought Jesus was going to focus on me, me. But every time he said you to Jesus, Jesus knew he had subordinated his identity to a greater one. And so the devil said, focus on your me. But Jesus responded by saying, no, I'm going to focus on thee. It is written. That is what he declares. It is written. I'm focusing on him. He is the all-sufficient one. Stop obsessing with the me. Start giving God praise for the deed and walk in humility. Give God a hand, praise.